This seals the deal. I'm no longer a fan of the Green Bay Packers. Time and time again, this team disrespects player value and puts players out of position to be something great. I will not be renewing my season ticket package. I plan on watching more professional horse riding leagues where they know how to jockey a horse. Welcome in to the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. With your defending champion, Stirk Daddy, runner-up, Cascade Bear, third place, Amelia Clark fan, D. Sladkey, Bucks and Six, Justin STP6, Lefty79, Andy Pollock, Little Slads, Prince Palmer 17, Spaceballs the FFT, and WGL 1035. Welcome to the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. After a long break, we are back getting into the podcast season. The NFL draft just wrapped up. It is 7.15 on May 1st. Seven round just wrapped up. We found ourselves some late sleepers. A lot of interesting names on the undrafted free agency list, which is obviously interesting as James Robinson was the darling last year on the undrafted list. So been a fun interesting weekend uh some very interesting landing spots for all of our players so how are you feeling right now about the packers draft will yeah thanks logan i uh i think the packers did extremely well um they all had some dire needs going into this weekend obviously being um kind of about the depth at their cornerback position um you know, fans were left wondering if this would be the year they finally go and get a wide receiver. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm pretty pleased. They definitely, again, stacked up on the offensive line, but I think that just comes with not knowing if Bakhtiari is going to be ready to go to start the season. And it's all about protecting future quarterback for the Packers, uh, Jordan Love. So uh, doing what they can to make sure that he's going to be safe and that that offense is going to continue to be a high functioning uh, offense. Yeah, so speaking of Jordan Love, we had some news break about Aaron Rodgers in the last couple days. Uh, Packer fans are on edge and have been for the last couple days. What have you heard? What have you seen? And how are you feeling? Yeah, so the news broke on Thursday that Rodgers was disgruntled with Packers camp as far as, you know, just kind of contract negotiations, figuring out something more long term. Um, and, you know, ESPN broke this hours before the draft and, um, leaving many teams to wonder what the future of Aaron Rodgers is going to be. Um, and I think back to to 2008 when the drama with Favre was beginning and, um, it's all about when we can turn the reins over to Aaron Rodgers, obviously being a quarterback, they were very high on at the time and 
last year they made the move for Jordan Love um, there in the first round just to move up and take him. So, yeah, kind of not good good vibes in Green Bay right now. I feel like a lot of fans right now are, are, are mad enough at Gunakunst right now as far as handling that level of communication. Obviously, the coaches and the head office has flown out west to work with uh, Rogers representatives as far as trying to get something figured out there but I don't know if that relationship can be mended it's uh it's kind of tough I mean you see news right now where uh, Rogers will only return if uh, Gunakunst is gone um, you know I, I think either way um, you know basically the Packers do have a pretty good GM that does know what he's doing I hate to be that kind of a guy but uh, I do think that you know he's setting this team up for success in the future and it's definitely going to be some news to watch here moving forward in this off season, because, you know, obviously right now um, Rogers does count about 37 million against the cap, but once June first hits, he's only 21 million against the cap and then it's 17.2 million next year. So I'm pretty optimistic right now that Rogers will still be in a Packers uniform, but um, we could also very well see it where he does also just say, look, um, you know, I, I enjoy being on Jeopardy. Maybe this is the time to just retire. And if he does that, he's going to have to write the Packers a pretty fat check for about 30 million, but um, it, it'll definitely be one to watch. I think, I think, you know, deep down, he does love playing for the fans of green Bay. He just, he's having kind of that tarnished relationship right now with the, with the front office. That's it. I'm packing my bags. I'm going to the Jeopardy headquarters. Yeah. His career could definitely be in Jeopardy. <laughs> Good one. Okay, so let's kind of take a look at the first round of the NFL draft. I'm going to pull it up on my screen. I know you also have access to it, but I just kind of want to go through some of these names and the landing spot for them. So we're going to talk about this from the perspective of Dynasty and kind of go from there. So let's take a look at quarterbacks first. In total, we had five quarterbacks taken in the first round. Starting with the 101, we had Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville. This was kind of self-explanatory. We knew this was going to happen the whole way. Um, he should be... <laughs> He's been treated well by the Jaguars fan base, that's for sure. When he got married, I know that the Jaguar fans like pooled together and like donated a bunch of money to his charities. And then also they bought everything off of his uh, wedding. What do you call that? His registry or register or whatever it's called. So that was, that was great to see. I love Trevor Lawrence. He's one of my co favorite players uh, in college I've ever seen. So what do you think about the fit of Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville for fantasy? Uh, I think he's going to obviously start on day one. Um, he's definitely going to put up a lot better numbers than what Jaguar quarterbacks have been putting up. Um, he's definitely getting all the weapons around him too. You see with ETN being drafted there with the 25th pick overall. And I think Jacksonville also taking a look at their receiving core. I, and now with Urban Meyer running that offense and running that team, he's definitely going to be probably one to watch here moving forward. Um, so I, I would say that Jacksonville should be more than excited about this pickup. And even as, as the dynasty season rolls around, um, he's going to be, a, I think he's going to be a guy that you can plug in there in week one. And, um, you know, already a lot of rankings and a lot of different platforms have Lawrence in the top 10, as far as being um, kind of that top quarterback of this class. So yeah, if you can get your hands on a guy like Trevor Lawrence, um, that's, it's definitely something to be really excited about. I thought it was really interesting that for the Jaguars, they did not 
spend up on either a tight end or a wide receiver. I'd say more so with the tight end. Their starting tight end right now is James O'Shaughnessy. So, because they lost Josh Oliver to the Ravens, but they did take a J, or they did take a tight end in the fifth round, Luke Farrell from Ohio State, and then looking at wideouts, they took one in the sixth, uh, and then they have one guy they signed that's undrafted free agent, but they didn't really pick up any offensive weapons outside of who you already made mention of, which is Travis Etienne. So, it's just going to be primarily Chark and. Uh, Chark and Marvin Jones, it's looking like. Uh, who else? Keelan Cole is there as well, I think. Yeah, and D.D. Westbrook should be back and healthy too. So, um, yeah, I still feel like it's a very underrated receiving core. Um, you know, it will, it'll be interesting to see what D.D. Westbrook can do here in year two. Then that the number two overall pick, we had the Jets taking Zach Wilson from BYU. Uh, a lot of people like his arm. He's got a very powerful cannon arm. And uh, the Jets actually didn't have many wide receivers uh they did win out they went out and they drafted michael carter i know that you like they also drafted michael carter to the sequel and then they also got elijah moore who i liked as well uh i thought the packers were going to take a look at him in the first round they ended up not taking him so uh what do you think about zach wilson zach wilson should have another big year as well um also mentioned that in free agency the jets brought in Corey davis too so that Jets offense should be a lot better here in 2021. Um, again, it's going to be all about building up his confidence and, you know, making sure that the, the Jets protect him really well. Um, I don't really, I'm not too familiar with the state of their offensive line, but, you know, just looking at what the Jets have done in free agency and then as well as with this draft, they're going to have plenty of weapons to uh, surround Wilson with. And that, that offense should definitely be a whole lot better. Um, if you don't get your hands on Trevor Lawrence, you sh- if you do have an opportunity to get your hands on Zach Wilson, definitely take the advantage of it because um, he is definitely a good piece to kind of stow away on maybe a taxi squad or um, maybe he's a guy that you can look at and say, um, you know, this is something that I can uh, hold on as a project for the future. And, you know, if he puts some big numbers, then then you definitely win the jackpot there with a guy like Zach Wilson. Absolutely. Uh Third, you had the 49ers. They actually took Trey Lance, and there was so much smoke going around about Mac Jones being the guy with the 49ers, uh, knowing that he would be a good fit for Shanahan's system. We had the comments about how the coach or like the front office wanted Trey Lance. Meanwhile, Shanahan and the coaches wanted Mac Jones. Uh, A lot of people were saying, okay, is this all completely smoke and they're just going to take Justin Fields? Anyways, they end up taking Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the roster. How do you think this shakes out for fantasy, at least this year and then long-term for Trey Lance? So I don't think I don't think a guy like Trey Lance is going to start right away on day one. Um, I do know that the Niners did, you know, move up and take him right there. But I still think, you know, Jimmy G is still probably the guy oh. there. Um, but it's going to probably – he's probably going to be on a short leash for the time being. So – you know, in dynasty formats, I wouldn't expect him to be the third quarterback taken off the board. But, you know, if you find him in the mid rounds, he'll probably be some guy you take a, a chance on. And then you look at the, this season, maybe by the midway point, um, Niners leadership might feel like they need, they can definitely get more out of the position. So maybe they just they turn it over to Trey Lance and they say, you know, here you go and let's see what you can do. Um, it's tough to kind of project a guy like what he's going to do. 
obviously there's a lot of hype and there's a ton of potential with a guy like him, but he obviously did not, you know, throw the ball all that much. And if you look at this past season, you know, North Dakota state opted for a spring season and he only really only played in one game against central Arkansas, but you know, it, the, the potential is there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of unknowns, but I feel like he's got a very high ceiling uh, as far as what he's more than capable of doing. At the 11 pick, we had the Bears trade up and take Justin Fields. And he's very similar to Trey Lance in that he is very mobile of a quarterback. And for the longest time, we had Justin Fields lined up as the number two quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence. So what do you think about Justin Fields with the Bears and their current weapons that they have? When the Bears traded up to potentially take a quarterback, I kind of was thinking it was going to be Mac Jones, but I feel like they might have made the right decision with Justin Fields. Now, keep in mind, there has not been a whole lot of success in the NFL with Ohio State quarterbacks, most notably Dwayne Haskins, uh, who is now a backup in Pittsburgh. Um it's going to be interesting to see. I know the Bears definitely loaded up on some linemen as well uh, and also got a few more weapons for fields to maybe throw at. But uh, I feel like he does make that offense a little bit better. Uh, that's going to kind of be a nice battle to watch here this offseason and even through training camp and even in the preseason if they have games, just seeing who kind of wins out that starting role. I think a lot of Bear fans right now are thinking that it's definitely Justin Fields' job to lose, but I guess we'll see. I don't know what I don't know what Chicago has planned for them, but I feel like they got their guy, and they feel like they might have their quarterback for the next decade. Then at the 15, we also had Mac Jones. So Mac Jones, he went to the Patriots, kind of just fell right in their lap. They didn't have to trade up or anything like that. Belichick was pretty excited about it. I know it was hilarious to see the photo conversation or the combination of. Uh, Tom Brady, when he was a rookie in his body type to Mac Jones' body type. What do you think about Mac Jones? Uh, you know, Mac Jones, again, is to me, is one of those wild cards. I don't know if he's going to be the starter on day one. I, I Right now, I would doubt it just because, you know, the Patriots still do have Cam Newton. But if they feel at any point that their offense is not reaching the potential that, you know, they're more than capable of doing, and they've definitely spent a lot of money on – um, you know, a lot of money on their offense and they've definitely moved some players around and uh, bring in new faces for free agency. They might do what San Francisco does and then they just turn around and, you know, give the reins to Mac Jones. Uh, if you're sitting maybe in the mid rounds again and, you know, you see a guy like Mac Jones there, I would say take advantage of it and, and stash him away on a taxi squad. And maybe, maybe he ends up being a pretty good game manager, but compared to all the other guys, I wouldn't suspect a guy like Mac Jones to be putting up the numbers that, see a guy like Lawrence would probably do, or even a guy like what Wilson or even Fields would do either. So, um, you know, Mac Jones is probably just that average quarterback where he's probably going to uh, net you maybe, you know, 15 to 20 points a game. I wouldn't expect anything much after that, but it's still kind of a good backup plan in case you're sitting on a bye and you have no other choice. He, he's probably going to be a good fit there considering, you know, where the Patriots took him. They obviously view him as a quarterback for the future. So looking at the rest of the quarterbacks drafted, the only one that really catches my eye right off the bat for fantasy purposes would be Kellen Mond, who the Vikings took. They took him with the number two overall pick in the third round. I know they have Kirk Cousins there, but Kellen Mond is again in this category like Fields and Lance where he's very, very mobile. And the fact that they spent a very early third round pick on him says a lot about 
how they feel about Kirk Cousins and then also uh, like his long-term future. I know that he's under contract right now. But outside of that, I don't really have any big takeaways. Anything that you see outside of those guys we've talked about? Yeah, so I'd say Munn would be another guy to keep an eye on. Um, I like the fact that New Orleans maybe took a chance on Ian Book. Um, you know, Drew Brees retired um, following following the, his departure. We all knew that the, the end was near for them. I would look at a guy like Ian, Ian Book possibly as being maybe a late-round stasher. Um, New Orleans, I know the quarterback battle is going to probably be between Jameis Winston and then Taysom Hill, but you can't rule out a guy like Ian Book who with his, his body frame and his mobility as well, uh, he could be another guy to keep an eye on in the future here. We move on over to the running backs. So I just kind of want to go through, let's go through the first five that are taken. There are some other interesting names, but going through the top five running backs that were taken. First of all, the Steelers with no offensive line spent their 24th overall pick on Najee Harris out of Alabama, who was completely dominant. How do you feel about Najee Harris uh, knowing that they did not take a lineman early but this was clearly a position of dire need because they want to get back to the run game. Yeah, James Conner's now gone in Pittsburgh, so it's kind of looking for a guy now to replace him. Pittsburgh only really had Benny Snell on their roster, so I feel like now it's Najee Harris's time to shine there in Steel City. Um, yeah, he, he had a pretty good college career. Now keep in mind that there is a, a bunch of Alabama offensive linemen that were drafted as well. So his numbers look really good from a college standpoint. I don't know how good of a fit this will be. I know he will probably be, you know, catching balls out of the backfield as well. Uh, I would maybe still predict him to probably be the first back taken off the board, just kind of based off of where he was drafted. But um, it, it's definitely going to be a challenge for him, I think, just because we just don't know, you know, how their offensive, offensive line looks. And, you know, it, it's kind of like a wild card move. Uh, we, I feel like he, he, he is kind of a good piece there to have in Pittsburgh, but I just, I I'm having a tough time believing in that offensive line right now. And then the very, very next pick, one of the most questionable picks of the draft, the Jaguars go ahead and take Travis Etienne, who is Trevor Lawrence's teammate from Clemson. Additionally, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, James Robinson was an undrafted star last year. And it was going to be interesting to see if they spent up or if they even drafted a running back in the middle rounds. Well, here we are, and they drafted one at the end of the first round. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so it seemed like a lot of teams this draft were drafting teammates. Um, kind of find it found it odd at that point that Jacksonville was really high on ETN, but uh, they made the move to take them. Um, we all know that uh, I feel like Urban Meyer is definitely going to get creative in trying to get ETN, Robinson, and even Carlos Hyde involved in that offense. I don't know if he turns into like a third third down back or if he just turns into kind of the everyday back. I guess we'll wait and see. Um, Jacksonville's offensive line still needs to improve too, but um, you know it, it's going to probably be a toss up between you know who's going to be the second back on the on off the boards here in our draft and in most other leagues too. Um, just based off of, you know, all the information that's there right now. Third running back taken was with the third pick of the second round. It was Javante Williams. These three that we just mentioned were kind of in the tier at the top, and then everybody else was kind of a bit below them. Javante Williams is a running back out of North Carolina, and the Broncos take him 
after getting rid of Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon was the only one there, is spend up on a running back, Javante Williams. What do you think about this? So Javante Williams was probably my favorite back coming into the draft. And, you know, as I sit right now, if, if I have one of those early picks, I'm probably taking a guy like him. Uh, you look at Javante Williams and you kind of compare him to like Najee Harris. Najee Harris was basically running behind an NFL ready offensive line. Whereas Javante Williams was basically running, you know, with a line that pro- were probably been a bunch of guys that weren't going to get drafted into the NFL, but they're probably going off to become bigger and better things, maybe lawyers, maybe businessmen, who knows. So you look at Javante Williams, and I think he's probably the most complete back um, for fantasy purposes. Um, when I saw he was taken by Denver, um, you know, obviously that came as a shock. I was kind of hoping that the Jets would maybe take a chance on a guy like him, but I really like his situation in Denver because I think from just from talking to you about it this, this, this morning, I think that he's definitely going to fit in a role like what uh, J.K. Dobbins was last year, where um, he kind of just became that guy once Ingram left. And now you look at you look at the situation in Denver too, and Melvin Gordon is the only other back on that roster, and he's kind of you know in that stage of decline. So I, I would be really excited if if Javante Williams is there bright and early, and if you have an early pick in the draft, definitely take advantage of him because he could be this year's J.K. Dobbins. The fourth running back off the board was the only running back taken in the third round. It was the 25th overall in the third round. The 49ers go ahead and they draft Trey Sermon from Ohio State, who really had a coming out this past year with the Ohio State having their kind of uh, long-term run in the college football playoff. And Trey Sermon, you know what they say about 49er running backs, almost all of them are productive on any given day. So what do you think about this pick? So again, coming out of the good running back factory that Ohio State is, um, I feel like the Niners definitely got their guy in Trey Sermon. Um, you know, understanding kind of the depth and who's all there. Um, we, you know, seeing Devin or Tevin Coleman kind of, you know, not have such a great year last year. I feel like, you know, now you look at them taking a guy like Trey Sermon and then even looking further down the line and them also taking Elijah, Elijah uh, Mitchell from Louisiana. I think that, you know, they definitely have a good one-two punch there. Um, he definitely could definitely work hard and try to earn that starting role there in San Francisco. Uh, again, if you're looking for a running back there, maybe towards the end of round one or maybe beginning of round two, um, I would take a chance on a guy like Trey Sermon, definitely. It's going to be interesting also, because I know you mentioned Kevin Coleman, who's now with the Jets, but they also still have on their roster Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr., and Jermichael Hasty. And now I'm not saying anything great about these players, but I'm just bringing them up because some of them you might be like, who the hell is this guy? And all of them had very productive games when given the opportunity. So I feel like it doesn't matter who gets the work. Whoever is that guy for the 49ers is going to be successful. Maybe that will be Trey Sermon. It could be. Who knows? We'll, we'll have to see here um, once training camp starts and once we get to the preseason. Then the fifth running back off the board from New York Jets was Michael Carter, the running back from North Carolina. Interestingly enough, this was the second running back taken from North Carolina. Michael Carter, from what it sounds like, was more of a pass-catching guy. Um, But the Jets did not have anybody besides Michael P. Ryan and Tevin Coleman in their backfield. So maybe this is Michael Carter's team now. Yeah, I I feel like the Jets got a very good pick here. 
North Carolina had a very good one-two punch with Javante Williams and Michael Carter, but uh, Michael Carter might fit along that same category as Trey Sermon where uh, they, they definitely might get the looks here and they might get some opportunities to yield some points for teams here uh, from a dynasty standpoint. So that's our top five that we're taking in, in terms of draft stock or draft capital here. Looking down the board, I'm just going to make one comment and then hand it your way. Uh, if I see Kenneth Gainwell, that's an interesting one because he was viewed as one of the running backs that was going to be one of the first ones taken pass catching back out of Memphis. And he was actually the better running back when Antonio Gibson was at Memphis as well. Well, he drops all the way to the early fifth round pick and the Eagles take him with Miles Sanders still being there as well as Boston Scott. I think that's a very intriguing pick. Uh, that's not a lot of draft capital, though, so we'll have to see what kind of role he pans out. Any other guys outside of the top five that interest you or you have some thoughts on? Well, one guy that I definitely have my eye on right now is Jared Patterson, who uh, was taken as an undrafted free agent by the football team. Uh, he's he's out of Buffalo, worked with Lance Leipold up there. Uh, so you look at Washington's running back situation, I know they got Antonio Gibson, but Maybe this year he is the James Robinson. Maybe he'll step into a role there and, um, you know, maybe he's an injury away from, you know, taking on those lead responsibilities too. So uh, he would be a guy that I would maybe keep an eye on here. Uh, as far as the guys that were drafted too, um, you know, just kind of going down the line. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in Miami. I know yeah, I took a running back late with Garrett Dokes, but um, I still think that that job is um, basically uh, – Basically, um, you know, for, for Garrett Dokes, they're being drafted in the seventh round. I think he's just kind of going to be kind of like the special teamer, nothing special, not challenging, anything like that. So, I know you also made a really good comment earlier about Chuba Chuba. Is it Chuba Hubbard? It's Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State, and you called him the most valuable handcuff in the NFL. Is that accurate? I would say so because you know if. If uh, Matt Rule's wife said you got to take a guy like him, I think that, you know, he could definitely step in there and be the back right behind uh, Christian McCaffrey. And we, as we know from last year, he had his injury issues. And again, he could be an injury away from taking on that starting role. So uh, Chubba Hubbard, if you if you can get his hand, your hands on him kind of mid round range, then that wouldn't be such a bad pick for you either. Okay, so let's take a look at the wide receivers right now. We had five taken in the first round, and then we had uh, five taken in the second. So I just want to kind of skim through some of these guys um, and just hear some of your thoughts on them. So we actually had three wide receivers taken in the top ten. First, starting with the Bengals, who everybody was screaming for them to take an offensive lineman. But with Joe Burrow there, he wanted his guy, and that would be the wide receiver, Jamar Chase, who was his guy when LSE won the title. Jamar Chase goes to the Bengals. How do you feel about this pick, knowing that they already have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd? Well, I was kind of hoping that Cincinnati valued uh, Joe Burrow's knees instead of his, uh, his arm here. But um, I, I think he's a great receiver for that offense. Um, it's just going to be a matter of trying to get – get the ball to him. I still expect him to probably be the top wide receiver taken off most boards. But um, again, he's just going to have to get the ball and he's just going to have to do some work there. Then the sixth overall pick was Jalen Waddle with Alabama. And he actually went before Devontae Smith and Devontae Smith won the Heisman. 
So this is very similar to last year where we saw Jerry Judy. We thought he was going to be one of the top wide receivers taken. And actually, Henry Ruggs went before him. So Jalen Waddell goes to Miami. And a lot of people were saying, is this just like a Henry Ruggs pick? I think it's a little bit different because Henry Ruggs is the absolute definition of the nine route. He'll run straight down the field, hopefully catch a bomb. Well, Jalen Waddell can do a lot more from what I've seen. What have you heard about Jalen Waddell? Jalen Waddell is definitely comparable, I would say, to Tyreek Hill. So I think the Dolphins looked at that and saw, well, if they can get themselves a Tyreek Hill-esque kind of a player, uh, they would take a chance on a guy like Jalen Waddell. Um, I feel like, again, he, he's he's in a great position right now. Um, Miami definitely looking for some wideouts. He, he should definitely see some targets here in 2021. Uh, and I would expect him to be taken pretty high as well, just because of his potential and what he could potentially do in that offense. And then the number 10 overall pick, that was the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. He went to the Eagles. The Eagles actually traded up in front of the Giants because they were afraid the Giants were going to get him. Uh, so they get Devontae Smith. Should be the clear-cut number one wide receiver for the Eagles. What do you think? Yep, he he definitely takes on that role now. Um, he, he definitely is kind of smaller. He he does have a lot of things going up against him, but I think a guy like Devontae Smith is very uh, determined, and I think he's going to do whatever it takes to try to lead that Eagles receiving core. Uh, you know, pair him up with Jalen Rieger, and I think they have a pretty good underrated uh, receiving core already. So that was a good pick on their part to try to get ahead of the Giants in, in order to take them. And then the Giants actually traded down due to uh, – I forgot who it was that traded up. Was that was that the Bears? That was the Bears, yeah. Yeah, so they traded back. Then the Eagles jumped right in front of them. They trade back to the 20th pick, and they draft Kadarius Toney, who was kind of like a gadget player from Florida. I saw a tweet that said that Urban Meyer, he was in a press conference, and he said that their front office was absolutely crushed that someone did not drop to them at 24. And it ended up being Kadarius Tony, which is interesting because he's almost like a LaVisca Chenault in a way, in which he does everything. So he actually ends up on the Giants. It's going to be interesting with the Giants. I mean, if Daniel Jones fails this year, he's done because he's got all the weapons now with Shepard, Slayton, Galladay, Saquon, and now Kadarius Tony. What do you think? I guess even yeah. if you if you threw in the Pro Bowl tight end, Evan Ingram as well. Yeah, I mean Kyle Rudolph too. This this is a very electric offense, and Daniel Jones definitely needs to step it up too in order to make it great. I felt at the time initially that it was quite the reach, but like you said, he's that gadget kind of a player. So uh, he might sneak towards the back end of the first round, especially in our league, um, where he can do it all. He might end up being a dynasty nut. Because, you know, we could very well see him getting, you know, handoffs out of the backfield, um, some slants. I mean, he, he might return some kicks. I mean, he he can do it all. So, it, you know, good good on the Giants in order to grab a guy like Tony. Um, and, well, again, we'll have to wait and see to see, uh, just to see what he does here moving forward in 2021. And then we get to your guy, who's your second guy from Minnesota. The Ravens at 27 take Rashad Bateman. So this was kind of the starting point of the Ravens getting Lamar Jackson some weapons. What can you tell me about Rashad Bateman? I think Bateman's going to be a guy that's going to work hard for the Ravens. He's going to fit quite well in that stadium and in that city. 
Uh, he's going to definitely work hard for his targets, and he's going to be a good leader on that receiving core. Um, he he should have a good season as well. I, I would expect him to fly off the boards pretty high as well. Um, maybe you know, there's obviously some good names ahead of him, but whoever ends up with their hands on Rashad Bateman's is going to end up with a very good receiver, and he's definitely you know in a PPR league like this, he's definitely going to get his targets for sure. And then our sixth wide receiver drafted. We got to the second round. It was very early. The Jets spend some high capital on Elijah Moore, the wide receiver from Ole Miss, teammate of A.J. Brown when they were at college together. Uh, I was Again, I was very, very much thinking that the Packers would look this route in Elijah Moore. They ended up taking a corner. Uh, what do you know? What do you, you got to say about Elijah Moore for his fantasy outlook? Uh, his fantasy outlook looks pretty good. Um, we know the Jets didn't really have a whole lot of options at wide receiver last year, and now they've kind of taken it to free agency to pick up, you know, guys like Corey Davis. Um, and, and right now it's all about surrounding Zach Wilson with a whole bunch of weapons. And I feel like Elijah Moore should have a pretty good campaign here in 2021, uh, getting his fair share of targets as well, um, along with Denzel Mims, who I took last year. Um, yeah, he, he might be a a good late first round pick in your leagues. He might be a good early second. It all depends on where he falls, but he, he should also get his targets as well. And then the seventh wide receiver, we had Rondell Moore, who's kind of a wild card because he's been having some back issues. He had back surgery that was uh, pretty, pretty vital. That's for sure. And the Cardinals, I, th I believe they actually traded up to get Rondell Moore was the wide receiver for Purdue. What do you think about him? So he didn't have any dropped balls this past season. Um, he also didn't play a lot because of injury, but I feel like he's a good weapon for the Cardinals. Uh, he, he's you know, going to make that offense a lot better down there in the desert. Uh, it's going to be all about getting him some targets and getting him the ball, um, I'd say. And um, he, he's a very good wide receiver. And, you know, if you strike out on any of these early guys, he's a good guy to kind of take and stash away just to see what he can potentially do. And then the next three picks, we had the Seahawks at 24. They took Dwayne Eskridge. The Rams at 25 took 2-2 Atwell, who I will put my opinion in there. I thought that was a huge reach. He's very undersized. And then at 27, the Panthers get Terrace Marshall Jr., who there is some injury concern with him as well. Do you have any thoughts on any of these three guys? Well, I know that Eskridge is going to probably have a role in Seattle, maybe returning kicks. He's a he's also a track athlete, so he's very fast. I know P.J. Fleck was high on him before he left as far as recruiting is concerned, but uh, in Seattle, he should be another weapon for Russell Wilson up there. I did not like the fact that the Rams decided to go wide receiver right away. Um, that was a reach. And then I'm very surprised, like you said, about Terrence Marshall, because I figured, you know, just doing a lot of mocks with you early on here, we felt like he was maybe a, a late first round pick. And I'm just kind of surprised by how, how far he dropped, but he should still be you know, a good receiver that some teams could maybe look at here uh, to stash away on taxi squads. And if he can get hundred percent healthy, watch out. He, he could definitely do some damage. Looking down the list here, there obviously are quite a lot of names for wide receiver. Who sticks out to you? Any sleepers? Uh, yeah, so there is um, the guy that was taken in the fourth round by Tennessee, Des Fitzpatrick. Uh, Tennessee lost Corey Davis, as we know. So I feel like a guy like Des 
uh, you know, you know, following, following in those footsteps. We know that AJ Brown is also there in Tennessee. He might be a name to watch out for. Uh, also going down the line here, um, Cornell Powell was taken by Kansas City. He's a big, physical kind of a wide receiver. Um, Kansas City, I don't think, really has those true wide receivers either. So he could definitely see some targets here in 2021. I know one guy that I have my eyes on right now is Amari Rogers, who was taken at the late end of the third round. The, tra- the Packers actually traded up to get him. Amari Rogers was Trevor Lawrence's like number one guy for most of his career. And he was a beast. He actually had a big time injury, I believe in the last year. Uh, but the Packers trade up. They like what they see about another a Rogers. Yep. And he's going to be wearing number eight. I kind of joked with Logan. And I said, he maybe should wear number number 11 or something just to kind of be close to Aaron Rodgers there. But heck, we don't even know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be throwing in the ball, but yeah, Amari Rodgers reminds me a lot of Randall Cobb, and I think it was a good move on the Packers' part to finally get the the wide receiver that most fans have been looking for. So he he might be able to do he might be that gadget wide receiver for the Packers here this upcoming season. He might kind of fill a Tyler Irving kind of a role moving forward. The second guy that I have my eyes on before the draft actually started was Jalen Darden. He's a he's a lower conference guy from Conference USA, North Texas. He's small. He's out of the slot. I think he's just interesting because he ends up with Tampa Bay. So that's just another weapon that Tom Brady can kind of throw the ball around to and see what happens. So I'm curious what his role is going to be, knowing that they spent like a middle fourth round pick on him. As long as he doesn't hurt Tyler Johnson's stocks, I'm, I'm more than okay with that kind of a pick. Then for the tight ends, we're just going to kind of stick to the top three right now because tight end is obviously always such a crap shoot. And then kind of talk about if there's anybody else that catches our eye. The number one was the number four overall and highest tight end ever drafted. Kyle Pitts drafted to the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons were very, very bad on defense, but they thought that they cannot let this playmaker get away. What do you think about Kyle Pitts? Yeah, so Kyle Pitts was kind of a surprise taken by Atlanta there. I was kind of expecting maybe Cincinnati to go after a guy like him, but He's that very athletic and physical kind of a you know tight end, and he can do it all. He's he's a he's a receiver. He's a tight end. I I think that was a good good option there since he fell, and he's a once in a generation kind of talent. Um, you know they they made Matt Ryan pretty happy by taking him. Uh, so he again for dynasty purposes, I think he definitely takes the leap over Hayden Hurst, but. Um, that, that tight end position in Atlanta should be pretty scary with, you know, wherever they line Pitts up and then wherever they also line Hurst up as well. And the second tight end that was taken was the 23rd overall in the second round. Steelers, again, we may mention that they needed a lot of offensive line. It looks like Pat Fryermuth is actually a pretty good blocker. So we'll have to see if this works out for him because he is a very, very good tight end. If it wasn't for Kyle Pitts, I think he would have been taken a lot earlier. So Pat Fryermuth, what do you think about him? So two years ago, I figured that Pat Fryermuth was going to be the top tight end off the boards, considering the kind of games that he was having. Um, he would play a little hurt this past year, um, but again, gives Pittsburgh a good tight end option there in the second round. Um, again, probably going to be the second tight end uh, from a rookie standpoint off, off most boards. 
Um, I can't wait to see what kind of numbers he's going to put up. If he's available mid-round, I might take a, a chance on a guy like him. But uh, a very good player. I'm just kind of surprised he went to Pittsburgh. Absolutely. And the third one taken then was the Dolphins with a 318. They ended up taking Hunter Long from Boston College. This was a peculiar pick because of the fact that Miami already has Mike Kosicki. So I'm curious what their thought process was. Yeah, I don't know how he's going to fit in that offense, but uh, another guy to kind of keep keep an eye on mid-rounds in your taxi drafts. Any IDPs that really stick out to you? So Dallas definitely had a very good draft as far as their IDPs were concerned. It seemed like for the first five picks of their own personal draft, they were definitely looking at improving that offense. If there's any IDP in taxi drafts or taxi squads that you should be looking at, Micah, pa- Micah Parsons definitely is the top guy that I see. If you're looking for a corner that's going to probably play right away, um, maybe look at a guy like Patrick Certain out of, out of Alabama, who's now with the Broncos. And even a guy like Greg Newsom too, from uh, Northwestern, who's now with the Browns. Uh, he should have a very good campaign there. The name Newsom definitely stands out at me. I figured, you know, if he would have fell to the Packers, the Packers would have been all over that. I feel like he's probably one of the more complete uh, corners here in this draft. From a defensive line standpoint, uh, just kind of going down the line, I, I'm kind of big on Quiddy Pay. Um, I think he's going to make that Colts uh, defensive front even more scary. Um, and then there's a guy that fell all the way to the second round that I figured, you know, if you would have fell to the Packers, it would have been a home run of a pick. And that is Carlos Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest. He's now a member of the Buffalo Bills. Um, can't wait to see what he's going to do. I know that he's kind of an under-the-radar kind of a guy, but um, in that defense in Buffalo, I think that he could definitely be um, a name to watch too. I know one guy that I'm very, very high on is Jalen Phillips. He could end up being the best defensive player drafted in this year's class. And he's got a lot of potential. He was actually vaulted into the position he was because of Gregory Rousseau actually missed the year. I think he opted out, uh, but jail and not good because his stock actually fell. Unlike some of the other people that did opt out. Um, But Jalen Phillips, it's going to be really interesting because Miami has a pretty solid defense now. And the fact that they spent the 18th overall pick on him shows that they have a lot of, of faith in him. And then I also really like the pick that the Cardinals made in the middle of the first round as well with uh, Zavin Collins from Tulsa. I know they were talking about him being kind of a tackle freak uh, out of Tulsa. So we'll have to see what his role ends up being. It was kind of interesting, though, because they did get Isaiah Simmons, and they've been using him a lot at the linebacker, uh, but then a little bit of edge as well. I also thought it was kind of weird that Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame fell all the way to the 20th pick in the second round. The Browns traded up to get him because he fell so far. And I was looking at some tweets, and they were just saying that his play style is just, like, not exciting. And he's been a solid player, so hopefully he can prove to be something valuable there for the Browns. Um, and then the last thing I'll say just about the secondary uh, it is kind of a kind of a chalky pick, but uh, Patrick Sertain, he's with Denver now. I don't know necessarily why they traded or they spent such a high pick on him uh, because of all of the uh, enamor that we've been hearing that Broncos have with Justin Fields, and then they don't even take him. 
So he was kind of lined up to go to Dallas, but Patrick Sertain is a safety. So the fact that he's a safety is obviously much more valuable for fantasy than a corner. Um, obviously with our IDP boosting of points, that might be a little different, but obviously with safeties, you see a lot more tackles than you do with corners. So we'll have to see how that, that kind of sticks out. And then also how many of these IDPs are actually taken in our draft. Yeah, if they're not if not if they're not drafted, I I can definitely guarantee that you know some some team might take a chance on on them as a free agent. They might just stash them away on a taxi. But I know from our league, I think a lot of us are learning now that if you you might be better off just using your taxi just to kind of stow away offensive players. So it'll it'll be one to watch for sure. That's what we got on this mini episode of the Fourth Throne Dynasty podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to in next week episode doing a mock draft one and only mock draft on the podcast to get ready for the for the throat rookie draft which is two weeks from today we'll see you later